0: I woke up on Saturday morning, I looked at the Google Analytics and saw something like 500 or 600 simultaneous visitors to our website. Most employees would rather have the boss who at least tells them where they stand than the one who doesn't.
1: You're listening to The Growth Show, a podcast that uncovers interesting stories and advice on growth from every corner of the business world. everyone thanks for tuning into this episode of the growth show i'm kip your host and the cmo at hubspot today i'm thrilled to be joined by chris young he's co-founder and ceo of chef steps for those of you who don't know about chef steps it's on a mission to create educational resources and technology to help people cook smarter So, Chris, tell us about your path to starting ChefSteps, how you got started in your career, and kind of where the idea for ChefSteps even come from?
0: Um, you know, it's I, I suppose it's really how far back do we want to go uh, because ChefSteps really feels sort of like a natural progression of what I've always done, which is not have real jobs. I kind of make it up as I go and try to solve interesting problems or problems that seem relevant to me. Um, you know, so it really for me, I think starts back when I bailed on pursuing a PhD and really wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I'd always enjoyed cooking. So I I sort of thought I'd just get a job cooking while I figured out what I was going to do with my life. Um, In a worst case, I'd become a better cook and I'd make some money. And uh, I really sort of fell into that with, uh, with a serious passion. And that really put me on this road towards the kitchen was this place where I could combine my my interest in science, my entrepreneurial interests, my interest in working with really talented people, um, with sort of the goal of having very tangible results that could make people happy. Um, you know, the, the, the restaurant industry was always, it's the hospitality industry. So, in a sense, my work has always been devoted towards doing things that surprise, delight, um, but ultimately make people satisfied and happy. Um, so, you know, that. Well, that led to my my five years at the Fat Duck. Being at the Fat Duck led to me meeting Nathan Mirabold, who was a guest of the restaurant. And, uh, he and I had a, a similar passion for the science of cooking, and so at the end of my stint at the Fat Duck, you know, Nathan and I decided there was an opportunity to write a book together because we didn't think anyone else was going to write it. You know, and then that was the next five years of, of building modernist cuisine, creating the team it took to do that, and, and publishing that, and then I think. In a lot of ways, Chef Steps um, was for me the natural extension of what comes after modernist cuisine. That there was uh, the possibility to leverage the internet to actually have, rather than a sort of a one to many pr- uh, product that, that a book is, to having a way of really interacting with people and getting feedback on are you actually doing things that make them happy and are solving problems for them. And, you know, so. I had met people while working on Mater's Cuisine that I wanted to keep working with. And uh, so we just kind of just started doing what we do, putting it on the internet, and getting feedback to see if anyone was interested. And that really led into becoming ChefSteps.
1: Fascinating. To rewind just a little bit because there are people sure. who are like, hold on, did he just say that he dropped out of a doctoral program to become a cook? And there are probably some people think that that's a highly irrational thing to do. Could you describe for us that day when you made that decision and like, what were you thinking?
0: Um, I was burned out. Uh, you know, I, I had degrees in mathematics and biochemistry and the history of science and I was pursuing a PhD of, in biomolecular structure and design. And I remember just, uh, I'd had a, a string of things not going very well in my research, and I remember just sort of being very frustrated and looking around and realizing, that like, everybody else in my group was way more passionate about what they were doing than I was. And so it was, you know, it was really that, uh, that early 20-something angst of, like, what am I, what am I doing? What am I going to do with my life? So I, you know, I didn't have a master plan. I bailed on it. And, you know, there was a few weeks of, like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I need to make some money. And I'd, I'd always enjoyed cooking. So somewhat naively, I was like, well, I'll get a job being a chef. Um, and I literally went around knocking on a lot of doors and restaurants in Seattle until I found somebody who liked the offer of, I will work for like no money, um, (laughs) uh, was appealing to them. And that turned out to be a very, very good decision, um, in retrospect. But at the time, most people thought I was crazy.
1: That's fascinating. It's amazing how sometimes the worst decisions become the best decisions, in a lot of ways and it's I think you're a testament to that it's fascinating okay so let's talk a little bit more about Chef Steps Uh, you had this really awesome cooking career and now you you run basically I think what you guys talk about as an online cooking school and it's run with really what I call consumer grade technology it feels really elegant it's really smooth great user experience kind of what is your core mission here what do you what do you want to accomplish And how have you been able to to grow and scale that community?
0: Um, There's a few questions, and I'll try to unpack them. Uh, I suppose uh, you could describe it as an online cooking community. That's probably more helpful than uh, an online cooking school or anything like that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, I think the way we tend to see our mission, the way we tend to talk about it internally, is our job is to make people happy in their kitchen. We win when somebody chooses to cook rather than not cook. We, you know, our real competition is uh, the takeout meal or going out for dinner. You know, what we're trying to do is get people to choose to cook. And if they do choose to cook, then there's a whole bunch of problems around that where we hope we can help solve those to make them more successful so that at the end of the day, they're happy in the kitchen. They're happy with what they cooked for themselves or their family or their friends or that they learned a new skill that they can bring into their restaurant. So I suppose Chef Steps really sees it in the hospital itself in the hospitality business of our job is making people happy in their kitchens and in terms of how we've grown that I think a lot of it is uh, really just a focus on what are the kinds of things that we have problems with what are the kinds of things people are telling us they have problems with and then really looking around to say well can we solve those problems by creating a piece of content that shows them or can we solve those problems by creating a better software tool that uh, helps them get an answer to a question or learn what an ingredient is or scale a recipe um, or can we help them ultimately by you know I think the ultimate reason we got into hardware was recognizing that you know people there's a saying that chefs don't blame their tools but that's just total crap um, tools are often terrible in the kitchen and as chefs we often spend a lot of our time working around the deficiency of our tools we sort of recognized that we were abandoning our, abandoning our community members in their kitchens. Like we knew what was going on in the digital world. We could get feedback on how they, you know, use the content or the questions they asked, but we had no idea what was actually happening when they went into the kitchen and that there was an opportunity to build tools that helped them be more successful in the kitchen. So we've always grown by just anchoring it to what problems can we solve for people who want to cook.
1: You know, at HubSpot, we, we call this inbound marketing, where you're really putting yourself in the persona of the person you're talking to and really doing everything you can to solve their problem. That seems like exactly what you've done, and it's something that has worked extremely well and, and helped you grow. The other thing that I think is interesting is you built this community, and then kind of in parallel, you were building a hardware device that, you know, from our earlier conversation, seemed like it took a long time. A lot of people would have probably built the the piece of uh, cooking hardware And then built the community, but you did it, you started with the community initially, and then after years of development, you got to the first real kind of physical product for that community. Talk to us about that journey. Talk to us about how that worked.
0: Um, Well, there's a few things. I mean, one, we generally think that it's kind of a terrible idea to start out building the product um, and investing huge amounts of time in a product before you know what problem you're really trying to solve for people. Um, Hardware in particular is incredibly expensive, incredibly time-consuming, like you're going to get highly leveraged out on it. Um, So if you're building uh, physical devices that are designed for mass production, where you're going to have to do years of invention and years of engineering and years of manufacturing work, where you don't have a clear-cut answer to what problem are we trying to solve and how are we going to get this product into people's hands? Like, what is our distribution mechanism? What is our way of finding customers? then you're basically taking unnecessary risks, in our opinion. You're, you're, you're trying to monetize too quickly. We looked at it from the standpoint of, like, the first thing we did is we just created some videos and threw them on YouTube for free. Like, that's what we did. And we got feedback that, like, that was cool, keep going. Over time, we would discover that, like, YouTube alone wasn't enough. We needed to create um, a custom website and a bunch of software tools where our, recipes were actually pieces of data that we could internally manipulate in in useful ways. It's always been sort of incremental steps where by hiring one or two really great people, or by some people stopping working on one project and working on another, we can solve a new problem for the community. So it was actually about a year, a year and a half in, when we felt we really had both enough data that we knew what we should be building to make people's kitchens better, at least our community members' kitchens better, and also that we had a pretty clear idea that our community was going to be a, a go-to-market strategy, that it, it wasn't just going to be, let's get a little traction uh, in the way you might with Kickstarter, but it was like, no, this is going to be an ongoing uh, 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 opportunity where as you solve problems for these people in the community, as you get your hardware into these people's hands, they're going to pull more people into the community because it adds value for everyone. So, so it's a fairly slow process.
1: It sounds like it's an incredibly slow process, but a very focused one. And it's, it's largely about order of operations. And I think what you're advocating to people is, Hey, let's get a better understanding of what the product market fit actually looks like. And during that process, build up a community that might give you some distribution leverage once you're actually to that product stage. Am I I restating that right?
0: Yeah, I think so. We talk to a lot of people who are very excited to get into hardware, um, And, you know, I've I've been on the hardware team for, I guess, the last 18 months or so. And, like, I love hardware. It's fun. But, you know, our feedback to them is always, like, you're kind of doing this in the wrong order. Like, you you know, you think you got this traction from Kickstarter, but Kickstarter, like, is actually going to cause all of these problems for you. It gives you this huge spike in demand that you have to scale up to fulfill. And then where do your next customers come from? And they don't tend to have very good answers to that. They're not thinking about... Uh, the distribution, they tend to say, well, we've got this great design, we've built prototypes, and all we need is to turn on manufacturing. And we're like, manufacturing and distribution is like 80% of the job. We kind of think you should go focus on finding uh, ways that you can solve that by directly connecting with a community of customers before you get yourself leveraged out on building hardware.
1: Awesome advice. So your pr- first product is a product called Joule. Tell us a little bit about it. And th- what what we just said was pretty kind of strategic You actually have the hindsight of you've launched this thing. You've seen how this has worked with the community. Give us an insight into how that launch went.
0: Well, so, you know, Joule is a a sous-vide immersion circulator. Sous-vide cooking, to me, um, is really about adding a measured amount of heat to your recipe so that you're adding just the right amount. But we were trying to solve some very specific problems. I've I've been cooking sous-vide since 2003 when I started cooking at the Fat Duck. Uh, Modernist Cuisine was originally just going to be a book, maybe one volume, 300 pages, about sous vide cooking, and the reason Nathan and I thought that book was worth writing was it was this technique that had become incredibly popular in high-end restaurants, but there was a real lacking of good information on, on how to do sous vide. So we wrote Modernist Cuisine, and obviously Modernist Cuisine expanded way beyond our original intent into all of these other areas we thought were interesting. Um, and when we started chef steps, we still felt there was a real lack of good information on how sous-vide cooking could be useful, not just for professional chefs, but how it could fit into your home life. Because I use sous-vide cooking at home all the time. I know how, how useful it can be. But as we created content around sous-vide, we very quickly learned that like traditional sous-vide equipment, even the fairly inexpensive stuff that was coming out of Kickstarter at the time... All that was doing was making the existing technology more accessible. It wasn't solving the terrible user experiences around sous vide cooking. Um, The biggest challenge with sous vide cooking that we have found over and over when somebody's new to it is, well, what, what temperature do I actually like? You have this technology where all of a sudden you can control the cooking temperature, the doneness temperature of your food to within a tenth of a degree, Which is unbelievable accuracy um, and precision, but it immediately begs the question of, well, what temperature do I like? And so Joule was really a reaction to saying, we think we need to reinvent this technology from the ground up. We think it needs to be something very different than laboratory equipment to be fitting in the home kitchen. And we think we need to take advantage of the fact that we all carry supercomputers with unbelievable displays around in our pockets now where instead of people trying to adapt their preferences to engineering parameters, like, you know, should the water bath be 140 or 142, you can leverage powerful visual content to show them the different donenesses so they can express their preference in a fundamentally human way and say, that's what I want. And now you have a tool that actually adjusts what it does based on the human preference, rather than humans sort of adjusting their preferences to the limitations of the tool. And, and so that sort of drove us of moving a lot of things that are normally done as interfaces on physical devices into software so that we can rapidly iterate, so we can rapidly learn from our community and continue to evolve this tool so that it, it becomes more helpful to them as a human um, over time.
1: So there are a lot of marketers, a lot of executives listening to, to our show, and now they want to know, like, okay, you built this awesome thing. How, how did the launch go? Uh, I I, per, I personally uh, I personally ordered one. I'm excited for, to to get mine, but I'd love to get some insight into how the community responded and how this approach actually worked.
0: Um, so the community's response was overwhelming. Um, like everything just grew far faster than we expected. We, you know, it's an interesting thing because internally, uh, a bunch of us are fairly convinced that we don't think pre-sales are terribly predictive of of, of much. Um, so we didn't pay a lot of attention to it. In fact, for a long time, we weren't even going to do it. And then we started talking to some of our community members when we were doing play testing with Jewel. One of the things we kept hearing as we were getting close to Christmas was that, oh, they're super glad that they knew that Chef Steps was producing this device because they were going to buy a competitor's device at Christmas. But now that they knew we were coming out, they're going to wait. And we sort of came to the conclusion that actually we were going to fail our community. We were going to uh, upset a lot of people in our community by not telling them that we were doing Jewel, and then setting them up to have buyer's remorse that when we announced Jewel in the spring because, like, they would have waited. So we basically set up to take pre-orders mostly as a way of saying, like, hey, if you're interested in waiting, here's your option, and because you're going to wait um, – You know, we'll give you a lower price um, because you are giving us money in advance, Um, although it's totally refundable. Unlike Kickstarter, um, it's entirely refundable at at any time. Uh, So we sort of saw pre-sales as an opportunity to do a customer service rather than as a way of predicting, like, is this going to be the right product to build? How many are we going to sell? Things like that. We, We don't pay much attention, actually, to the sales volume, although it's been surprisingly pleasant and exceeded pretty much everyone's predictions.
1: Well, congratulations. That's uh that's fantastic. To kind of transition a little bit from that, you you have tons of experience in the kitchen. You've worked at some of the best restaurants in the world. How have the experiences that you've had in the kitchen helped you build the community at Chef Steps?
0: Um I think the the, the, the value of having worked in the kitchen is, you know, there's a few things. You're used to working. Um, at a very high, a fast pace, um, under high pressure, which is often the case in a startup. Um, you tend to be very focused, especially at the types of kitchens I worked in, which were very high end uh, restaurants, you tend to be obsessively focused on making the customer happy. And so Chef Steps has always been anchored to making people happy and trusting that that was the right thing to do, that that would give you more customers. And, you know, and listening to feedback, even when it was painful, like in a restaurant, you might discover, like, there's a dish you really loved as a chef you're super proud of for having developed, and nobody likes it. Like, it's just not a great dish, and you've got to take it off the menu and start over. And that's super important in the startup to go, well, that was a really exciting idea. We were all convinced it was going to work, but it was a total waste of time, and we should just stop, um, I would say that those are types of uh, skills and disciplines that have served uh, myself and my uh, colleagues well.
1: Very, very helpful to everybody listening. The other thing is I imagine you've gotten a bunch of advice while you were building ChefSteps. What's the best piece of advice you've received during this um, process?
0: I think very, very uh, a few things. Listen to your community. What problems are they telling you they need your help to solve? I think it's super important at every step to think about who you're hiring and why. Um, And you should be constantly asking how are the things you're building um, going to basically make it very low value for other people to copy you. It's very easy to think about all the problems you could solve and things you could do, but a lot of them are, uh, are low value things to spend your time on. You really need to focus on the things that you're uniquely qualified to solve and that by solving them, like they're solved once and for all, and it's not super valuable for other people just to copy you. Uh, I suppose the the other piece of advice that uh, uh, Gabe Newell gave me one time is that like what you're trying to do when you're starting a company is you're trying to train everyone to run really fast with scissors in their hands. So you've also got to run pretty carefully.
1: <laughs> uh, that's a great one, and I'm going to steal that. That's a, that's a, that is a great reference. The other thing that strikes me in my conversation with you is that you are a, a very curious person, somebody who's always learning new things and trying new things. How, what tips do you have for everybody else to kind of keep that curiosity in the way that you have it?
0: Um, I, I've gotten some version of this question before. It's, it's, it's always kind of hard for me to answer. Uh, I think I've always been a person who's very curious about the world around them, and, and cooking has given me... Uh, a sort of means to make a living and have a job while i 'm exploring the way the world works. Uh, I tend to find that people are inherently curious or not um, where and so you know we we tend to focus on hiring people who we think are are very curious um, and we look for evidence that their curiosity has led them to doing pretty interesting things. I suppose where uh, what might be helpful to say is what's interesting is sometimes when the curiosity flags Um, when you know you know you're dealing with you're inherently a curious person or you're dealing with somebody who you know is a curious person and you know they're just they're just struggling Um, they're hitting a rough patch and that to me is usually telling in my experience that's been telling me it's it's time to move on it's time to redefine the problems you're looking at or to try something new you need you're banging your head against a really hard spot on the wall you need to move over and try to find a slightly softer spot to bang your head against Um, and so you know for me it seems about every five years or so it's time to sort of reinvent what i'm working on
1: got it so really keep keeping yourself unstuck is a key to being and maintaining curiosity
0: i mean discipline and perseverance is super important but sometimes you just realize like you need to do something pretty orthogonal. You need to, you need to move to something where, uh, it's, it's gonna, you know, you're just a little burned out and that's okay. It's important to recognize when you're burned out and say like, I need to change something. And usually that's the type of problems you're working on. Um, you know, within chef steps, uh, what I found is I might be working on one team for a while and realizing that I'm no longer very, uh, strongly contributing to that team. And that's usually time when I need to, uh, bow out of that team and move on to a different team where i can be more useful
1: fantastic uh really helpful advice maintaining that curiosity and perspective i think is key as you're you're trying to do the grind of of growing a company it's it's, it's really tricky so yes. kind of, <laughs> as i'm sure you and know sometimes morning, you
0: just need to get away from the company i i you know my thing is i fly gliders and periodically i need to disappear to places like new
1: zealand and go fly that's fascinating and awesome, and now, now I want to go glider flying with you. That sounds pretty cool, and I will definitely make sure to, to ping you and send you a note next time I'm out in Seattle. I'd love to just stop by and see yeah. the whole Chef Steps operations and what you guys are building, and I'm uh, also very excited to get cooking with Jewel. It's going to be awesome. Cool. Great. I hope this was helpful. It was great, Chris. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Uh-huh. Talk to Bye. you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to our show. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think by leaving a review on iTunes.